Welcome to Connected at the Roots, a Big Fourth podcast that talks about Midwestern values, character, and camaraderie through the lens of business. I'm Jordan Harms from Big Forest, and over to my left is Mr. Producer Chris Lair. Say hi. Hello! Our guest today is Connor Van Buskirk. He is the founder of Upshot, a cafe that serves artisan coffee, homemade sandwiches, bone broth soup, tea, and juice, and a bunch of stuff. He's got it all. Smells good in there. The place was uh, formerly Van Buskirk's, or VB's, as you'll hear us talk about in the actual episode, before he rebranded to Upshot. Connor is an entrepreneurial spirit, a hardworking man, and you'll hear he is also very pragmatic. Chris? Yeah, we recorded this episode at Upshot in Cottleville, Missouri, which is a growing local community that's been attracting more and more people in the last five or ten years or so. Yeah, definitely. It's been growing, and they've been really getting into their brick-laid streets and artisan (laughs) shops, and it's very attractive to the younger crowd. And in this episode, I think Connor calls it the armpit of St. Charles, or he said it used to be. Yep. Um, And it's anything but that now. In fact. It kind of feels like we just looked away for a little while and looked back, and there's so it's, it's a, a really, cool place. It's such a cool place. It's got a great vibe. We, we recommend checking it out. It's it's an experience. Yeah, and actually hitting two upshot, grab some coffee, stay around a while, and then take that coffee on the road. Yeah, in Cottleville to go get some juice. <laughs> Uh, in this episode, we talk about Connor's business-minded upbringing, his struggles right around the time he rebranded to Upshot from VBs, and his philosophy on hard work and how, to him, it transcends your location or where you were raised, which I thought was particularly interesting given the subject matter of this podcast. He basically was like, yeah, the Midwest is great and all that, but really, it doesn't matter where you're from. If you work hard and apply yourself, that's what matters, and some people have it, and some people would rather take the easy way. Yeah, he's got some very interesting thoughts on it. Yeah, very down to earth. We'll let him tell you his story for himself. Here's Connor VB. Connor. Yes, sir. Thanks for being on the show. You're welcome. <laughs> Appreciate it a lot. I also like your fancy conference room that we're sitting in. Well, this is a lot of important things have happened here. Like, you know, all six of my podcasts that have had seven listens each. Oh. It's been very important to wanna, the podcast industry. You're doing better than us. So. You want to plug that real quick? <laughs> uh, we have VB's Pod, which is on Apple, all the all the places you can get it. And then we also have Two Pines and a Prayer, which is a, a dad blog podcast I do with my buddy Caleb Guns. So you can follow us on Instagram, all that. They're, they're available everywhere. Uh, we're probably the biggest thing to hit podcasting in years. So you probably already know. All right, Connor. Yes. Who are you? What do you do? I'm a human. Wow. I'm a husband, I'm a father, and uh, currently I own uh, Upshot Coffee in Cottleville, which used to be VB Chocolate Bar. We've been around for eight years, and we also own another company called Beats and Bones that does cold-pressed juice and bone broth and meal prep, grab-and-go bowls, all kinds of amazing stuff. Do you have those here? I think I saw those. Oh, yeah. In, like, the cooler? Yeah. How did you get into the bone broth and all that jazz? You know, when we were looking to transition from VBs to Upshot Coffee, Mm -hmm. uh, I had been approached by one of my customers who'd also become a friend and was an executive chef all over the country. Really talented guy. And he had the idea to do Beats and Bones. He had the name. um, He had some basic ideas and he was looking for a partner to help him Mm. do it or a spot. And so we kind of had a handshake deal, which later became contracts. And, uh, when, you know, that was probably a year before we actually decided to do the remodel. We agreed to do this partnership and we were just kind of figuring it all out. And uh, then when we decided to roll with with Upshot Coffee, it made it a lot quicker because 
that could be a big part of our rebrand and be simple to relaunch that. So we were ready to roll when we reopened and, you know, it's been, it's been huge for us. We, we all love it. Like, you know, I drink a ton of juice. I did before that. Um, he actually made me more aware of bone broth than I had been. Hmm. I was familiar with bone broth and, you know, adding it to soups. But at that point I was pretty much buying cardboard, (laughs) you know, containers from Schnucks or Trader Joe's. It wasn't like the kind of bone broth we're doing now. So I learned a lot from Nick in that stance. And then we did a lot of research on how to use and what other people were doing. And we kind of realized it was something that maybe we're a little bit ahead of the curb here for. Um, but it's huge. It's extremely beneficial. And so we're, we're spending our time educating people and letting them know what it does, letting people try it. And, uh, you know, we sell a decent amount of it now and there's a lot more we can sell. Sweet. So before you did the whole rebrand thing, how did like going back to like, not maybe the exact beginning, but like the act one of your story of as a business owner, like how did you decide I'm going to open up a chocolate bar slash coffee shop? And was there someone who like gave you that idea or have you always been? No, it it was me and my wife opened up. We bought a chocolate, chocolate, chocolate company franchise when we, the first year we were married because her mom Mm -hmm. had worked for the franchising company forever. So we really had no experience in any of that. It was just the only business where someone was like, if you buy it, I'll just work for you for free and show you how to do it. And so we took her up on that and we've, we still own those. We've owned those for 16 years now, going on 17, I believe. And, uh, you know, a few years into that, I realized that I was really interested in the creative process versus just putting box chocolates on a shelf and, you know, taking orders and selling. I really wanted to learn how to make things. And I had a lot of ideas that whether they were good or bad, I wanted to try them out and then see how people would react to it. And so through that process of owning the franchise, I realized a lot of my passion laid way more on the creative side than the just selling or, you know, stocking the shelves, you know, mm-hmm. essentially doing what a franchise does, which is, you know, work the system versus create a lot of stuff within the system. Yeah. So just started playing with that in the back and realized that's where my passion laid. And then that led to, you know, after a few years of, of doing that, wanting to be able to branch out and take that to a specific crowd that I could kind of, cultivate with my own ideas, my own brand and be in complete control of every dumb and crazy idea I had, um, and really build something for my family that was mine versus something I was essentially, you know, I owned, but you're, it's kind of like you're leasing it and you don't really control it. Mm. So we opened this and, you know, we added the coffee and the bar and all of these other things to it because I was pretty sure that if I just opened up in St. Charles and sold, you know, two fifty dollar truffles, in a really high end shop, I'd be dead within a month. Yeah. (laughs) So we added, you know, the alcohol side and the coffee side. So we'd have that consistent sales. We'd have exposure to other people and that the whole goal was really to, you know, be able to create within that. Obviously we used a lot of alcohol in our chocolates. We used a lot of coffee infusions in our chocolates. They all worked really well together. I mean, dark chocolate, coffee and alcohol are essentially the same food group to me. So it made a lot of sense. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, we did that for, Seven and a half years. Sounds delicious. It was it was a lot of fun. We did a lot of really incredible things. Our our customers were extremely passionate about what we did. Unfortunately, I just kind of burned out on the whole bar side and being mm-hmm. open 20, mm-hmm. 21 hours a day. Yeah. Um, and I was ready for a change. I just kind of lost my passion for the whole thing and I wanted to focus on the coffee. We, you know, part of the rebrand is we started roasting all of our own coffee. Um, we do all the juices, all of our 
breakfast sandwiches and foods and, and overnight oats. Everything that we do here is made in-house. We started making all of our own sourdough bread, our sourdough biscuits. So it's yeah. really about taking all that energy we were spreading out over 21 hours and everyone was kind of burned out. And we had all these different people working different shifts and different hours and mm-hmm. things kind of being lost in translation and going, we're going to have one staff that's here seven to five. Yeah. We're going to do everything the way that we want, and we're just going to crush that time period and be focused on that. Excellent. And then I can go home at you know, we, 7 o'clock when I'm done with my podcast. We're sitting like right where the bar was, yeah, right? Bar, <laughs> yeah, we tore out the bar and put this conference room in. That's what I thought, because I, I mean, I remember the bar, and then I came in and I was like, you know, I could have sworn it was right there. Was that a different place? <laughs> what is no, this? We basically pulled all that out, <laughs> capped off the drains. You know, threw up a wall and some glass doors. And, you know, one of the things that I always wanted here was uh, a room where you could come up here, have a meeting and have some privacy. Right. Because when we're really busy, which is a lot more often than not, it's really hard to have a private conversation when you have a table of, you know, four people Mm -hmm. all around you and everyone's talking loudly and you're trying to talk about how, you know, your wife's leaving you or, you know, you what stocks you're going to buy or yep. should I cash out my IRA? Like, you know, people have real right. conversations up here that they don't necessarily want everyone to overhear. Right. And so we wanted to be able to kind of cater to our customers that wanted to be able to have meetings and groups up here and, you know, have some privacy. And so that was a good transition for us to use this bar. And since then now from after five o'clock, it's just where we shoot podcasts essentially. Wow. Hey, that's what we're doing. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's fantastic. Does your wife still work with you? Is she still? Uh, she left me. Oh, she did? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, she's still like, works with She runs, uh, she <laughs> Stacey, you didn't leave me, I hope. Uh, she runs Chocolate, Chocolate, Chocolate. So okay, she's, so over, she's there. over on that side. Um, she comes over about one day a week and helps our, our girl, Julie, bake. She's starting to more and more. She's really fascinated with the fermentation side and the baking side. So, And her and Julie are essentially very similar, kind of the same person. So they enjoy being together. So... She's trying to transition to having a little bit more time over here. And I'm sure once we get out of the holidays, that'll help a little bit. Cool. So personally, what were you doing before the chocolate, chocolate, chocolate thing? Like, were you, <sighs> were you just kind of bouncing around or nine to five? No, or I mean, like, I worked at a bank a for business. a few years, you know, doing mortgages and uh-huh. opening accounts, essentially Ooh, sales fun. for a bank. Um, I left there. I went and sold construction for Thomas Construction, so sunrooms, roofs, siding. So I was always kind of in sales. And, you know, I really kind of wanted to move into something where, you know, technically everything's sales, but I also had the ability to kind of control the whole process and build relationships that were more than just trying to figure out how to get commission out of you. Yeah, so that all everything else just wasn't wasn't quite doing it for you. It was fine, but I, yeah. I mean, I just remember even as like a six-year-old kid thinking, I'm, I need my driver's license so I can get out of here. I need to be 21 <laughs> so I can do whatever I want or 18, and I want to own a car dealership. Like, I remember it didn't end up being a car huh. dealership, but when I was a kid. I fantasized about owning a BMW dealership, a Porsche dealer. Like, I always <laughs> so wanted specific. to be. Wow. I know. <laughs> I, I like loved it. cars. Are you from here? The Midwest or? Okay. Illinois. 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 Yep. So, I mean, I always knew I wanted to be in a business. I had no idea how I would get there or why. And the circumstances of just marrying Stacy and then having a franchise available and having someone to teach me was completely random and lucky. Mm. But that was, you know, a, a lot of times what I found is, you know, things will kind of potentially give you opportunity and fall near you or in your lap. And if you're willing to take a gamble that most people won't take, 
you know, it could be rewarding. It could be catastrophic, but I've had a few things yeah. fall in my lap that I gambled on big time and they, for the most part paid off. I've had a lot of other things that fell in my lap and I, you know, lost on them. So like what? Oh man. I remember back in 2006, I started buying rental properties at the top of the market you know, cause I was uh -huh. a genius and there was no way to lose money on anything. That's right. And, uh, you know, about 2009, <laughs> so I was selling them for a lot less than that. So, I mean, we've, I, I've made plenty of mistakes. I've failed as much as I've achieved. And, you know, there's been a lot of times I've thought about quitting because it's quite defeating at times, but mm. for one reason or another, we just keep moving forward and we keep, you know, taking opportunities and growing our business. Yeah. Why do you think chocolate and coffee stuck? I mean, of everything. Has that always been a passionate sort of thing coffee, for you? Or? Coffee and chocolate. Chocolate, not until I own chocolate chocolate. Yeah, I yeah. didn't even really eat chocolate. Um, but when we bought that, I got familiar with it and I started to appreciate it. And then, mm -hmm. you know, chocolate, chocolate, chocolate does a lot of milk chocolate. My palate moved to dark pretty quick. Um, so that was another thing was I got really interested in the way that you could roast profile dark chocolate, just like really good coffee and yeah. get tasting notes naturally out of that, put a lot less other things into it and have a phenomenal end product that was about as natural as you could get. Mm -hmm. So those two things really fascinated me. The reason we ended up choosing the coffee over the bar wasn't anything other than I didn't really want to be here till 3 a.m. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> That's pragmatic it wasn't that the you. bar wasn't making money or I hated yeah. the employees, the customers. It was... <laughs> that I felt like I had to choose one or the other uh -huh. and I'd much rather be here from seven thirty to 7 PM than, you know, three to three. That's and just, fair. You know, I got two young kids and a wife and I like to work out and see friends. And so the bar life takes a special kind of person to do that long term. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was never good enough to have a GM that could run it and I could just sit at home and we'd both make a ton of money. So yeah. I, you know, kind of had to choose which one I could comfortably manage and, and do grow it well, like, and do well. Yeah, and and, be, and I wanted yeah. something that was replicatable, and uh, you know, so this like feels that. like a pretty simple thing that, if done well, we can we can mm -hmm. replicate it over and over. And you know, one of our end goals is to provide a great living for our employees instead of everyone just being an hourly worker that makes a couple bucks and tips. You know, we really want to build something special here where someone that could make ten bucks an hour plus tips can actually make a real living out of it through the opportunities within growth, wholesale, mm. roasting, managing, right. district managers. You know, there's a lot of opportunities as we grow the company that we would like to, you know, be able to bring people along with us that have been great employees. Yeah. So that's really the end goal is just building it and growing it now to where, you know, everyone that believes in this and works here can actually make money and we can really build something special. Cool. That kind of answers my next question. What are some of like the core values of your business structure? Like, I mean, I know it was VBs before, like you, you kind of are a part of the brand itself, but also specifically, I guess, upshot, like what are some of the things philosophically that you want to get across to consumers and also employees, obviously like longevity of people working here and finding value in the work other than just money is a big one. Do you have certain standards really, you like to upkeep? I would say, you know, really what our focus has become, which we didn't have in the beginning, um, is hospitality. So it's taking care of our customers, creating yeah. a special relationship, making this more than just a commodity, making people feel like when they walk in, they're going to get a smile. They're going to get the best executed drink and the best executed food that we can do for that price in this location. And you're going to enjoy every aspect of that. You're going to feel 
leave here feeling like I can't wait like to get Like a regular. Back. Like, you know, they yeah. took care of me. Things were priced fairly. Mm-hmm. The food and the drinks were done perfectly. And I just can't wait to come back and tell everyone I know about that. So really the core principle is hospitality cool. for our customers. Along with that, we have to have incredible product. So we can't sacrifice on quality. We can't take shortcuts. We can't just get everything in frozen from Cisco and reheat it and charge Mm -hmm. you the same price I charge you now for everything being handmade. Uh, Our teamwork within our staff is extremely important. You know, if there's one person that's unhappy, it, it, it destroys the vibe of the whole place. Oh yeah. So consistently meeting and talking and addressing employees to keep everyone on the same page and, you know, really just keep it to where you not only want to come here as a customer, but when you're an employee, all things being even, you can't wait to get here and see your your co-staff and your regulars. Because that's the one really cool thing is in a business like this, we've had regulars for, you know, since we opened now. And they're like family. Um, and we meet new ones every single day. So there's something special. Like even say you have to leave here and move to Florida and take a job at Microsoft or whatever it is. Those people that leave are so sad to leave their yeah. regulars and their team members. Uh-huh. And even though there's those decisions that have to be made and we wish you the best and give you a hug and we're going to miss sure. you like crazy. Uh, we want this to have been a really special place and time for you and for our customers. So I think about philosophy all the time Mm. of how we're going to make money, why we want to make money. If we make money, what we should do with it. Mm. You know, why do people come here? Why do I want them here? Like, you know, I can spend hours on end, seven days a week, reading books, thinking, listening to podcasts, writing, doing podcasts. It's part of the reason I got into podcasts and writing was to be able to have one more avenue to force myself to really think and talk these things through. Because I think it solidifies what you think when you force yourself to write a blog or have be on a podcast, talk to other people. So it's really something I spend a ton of time thinking about. And I feel like, you know, the people that aren't asking those questions are stagnant. They're probably not going to be here in two years if they're lucky. Sure. Do you have a time that you can remember when you were like at your lowest, when you felt super defeated and you're like, maybe I just shouldn't do this entrepreneurial thing. You know, the last year of VBs, I was just so burned out and it's hard to explain because I, you know, I've still spent a lot of time thinking about how I got there. And the only thing I can think of is it just wasn't what I was meant to be doing anymore. Like in my body and like, cause my tendency is when things, when I'm stressed out or I'm not happy, I just work harder. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't go hang out with my wife more, spend more time (laughs) with my kids. I just, I just work harder. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. I assume that if I work harder mentally, my state will get better and I'll be happier. And uh, what I learned in that last process, because it was a couple of years of being pretty down, was that a lot of times all those messages were coming to me saying, this has gone where you want to take it. And the challenge really is for you to find what you want to do with the next 20 years of your life and have the courage to move on with that and do that. And if it fails, it fails. And if it's great, it's great. No one cares. What, What we care about is, are you doing something you're passionate about? that you can translate to other people that you look forward to doing every single day. And the bar was no longer that. So after two years of fighting that, I just said, you know what? I'm ready to let it go. It's going to disappoint a lot of people. It could be the end of me, but we're going to give it a go. And we're going to move on to this next level and just give ourselves the opportunity to enjoy this as much or more than those first seven years of VBs. Cause I loved VBs the first, you know, 
five years. It was really just the grind and the burnout of the last two that got me to the decision where I was ready to kind of rebrand and revamp and yeah. look at everything. I love that. That's very, that's a, that's a lot of what we're trying to get at. I mean, that is like the hero's journey of a lot of the people we talk to about this, where you have your kind of option A or option B, B being doing something else and therefore failing and not triumphing, but you decided to kind of pull yourself up out of there and keep doing what you knew was like morally right, you know, and actually, am I doing something that that's worth it or not? Yeah. Like, I think as an entrepreneur, if anyone's thinking about getting this one, you have to be okay with being highly stressed yeah. <laughs> Two, you have to be extremely passionate about what's causing this stress, uh-huh. right? Cause if you're consistently stressed and you don't believe what you're doing is worth the stress, then it's time to pull the plug. And you know, yeah, that it's not that. like, you know, if that happens for a month, I'm talking about struggling with that for years, yeah. which is what I did. I, you know, I just, I fought it, I fought it, I fought it until I just realized it was time to move on. But you've got to be willing to deal with all that stress. You've got to have the passion that makes that stress bearable. You've yep. got to be an absolute riverboat gambler who like, you know, if everything goes south, you are living in your parents' basement and you're ready to take the next step. But that's the reality. You got to figure out, can you handle that kind of that kind of pressure of like, you know, one bad month where it snows for an entire month or coronavirus locks down the entire city <laughs> and you have no income like that could be it for most small yeah. businesses. So can you sleep at night knowing that's on the table? Sure. Right. How much do you chalk that up to like your Midwestern upbringing at all? I, wanna, you know, I, I don't think it has anything to do with where you're raised. No. I think it's really a mindset of being okay with gambling, um, being driven enough to take risks mm-hmm. and also not being afraid, you know, lacking enough ego and pride that if you fail and everyone goes, ha ha, told you, you don't care. You're already doing yeah. something else. You're like, you know, yeah. okay, you Good can laugh at me for it. that, but uh, I'm already doing I've something already else. I've already acknowledged that and, was a know, failure. I'm on to the next I'm thing. I'm probably going to fail at least three more times. Yeah. So by the time you're totally. done laughing, I'll be on my fourth yeah. thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. if that makes you happy, great. But I'm going to keep plugging away at what I believe makes a difference. Sure. So have you noticed less or more of other business owners in the area kind of having the same mentality? Specifically, maybe not Cottleville, but like Missouri, as opposed to like larger conglomerates. Or are you pretty much like a lone wolf? You know, I talk to a couple of people here and there, but I, I really am so focused on what I do yeah. that I don't get out much. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm good friends with Carl from Stone Soup. And so I've heard his story multiple times uh-huh. and his story was very similar to that. Sure. And that, you know, he pretty much put everything he had into that place mm-hmm. and, you know, he needed it to work and sometimes it didn't. And then, you know, he had faith, he stuck with it and it hit yep. hard and now Carl's pretty happy. Yeah. So I know him because he's a good friend and I, but honestly, most of the people around me that are opening businesses in Cottleville are fairly independently wealthy. And so it's more of a hobby or it appears to be more sure. so than necessarily like if I don't make it this month, I'm losing everything. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's not a lot of young entrepreneurs putting everything on the line down here that, yeah, you know. It's, it's more of established people that are, yeah, you know, trying you. to become a little different, <laughs> you know, starting new other businesses, but they've kind of, mm-hmm. well, that's what we're talking about right now. <laughs> well, they might be super interesting because they could actually tell you how to do it. Oh, we'll find our way over there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> We've definitely been getting a lot more answers typical to your story and the stone soup, stone soup. Carl. Yeah. Yeah. And Carl's story and like David's story and Scott's story. Right. Like we're, we're definitely getting more of like, well, can you handle it? Or can you not? You know? And that's kind of more what we're 
definitely that's getting at. But one thing that I don't do nearly as well as I should, I should be reaching out to these other businesses and hearing their stories, mm-hmm. which is, you know, kind of like why we started the podcast. Cause I'm sitting here going, one of the things that I, dislike about St. Charles is we don't collaborate with each other. Yeah. We all that. keep each yep. other at arm's <laughs> length. We all have our little quarter acre, in my case, postage stamp that my building's on. Yeah. You know, we're scared <laughs> to death of infringing on each other's businesses. Mm-hmm. Everyone's, you know, Sensitive. and these are just my perceptions because I've never actually tried to reach out to anyone. I've just assumed this is the way it is. You might no find one's it's ever, 50-50. Yeah, no one's ever reached <laughs> out to yeah. me. And so it's like, we're in this area where everyone just kind of does their own thing instead of areas that I really appreciate where everyone is doing collaborations and yeah. reaching out and helping each other and talking and referring. And, right. you know, like there's this symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. of everyone being on the same page. And yeah. in St. Charles, I don't know that we're not on the same page, but I know we don't really talk about it. Yeah. So I would love to see that change out here. Hopefully this podcast can help a little bit. I believe it will. <laughs> I believe this will cure everything. I, hey, oh, hey, thanks, man. Yeah. Well, I believe in you guys like that. Yeah, that is, you're very much correct. Everyone is, uh, pulls themselves up by their bootstraps around here and just kind of makes it on their own. And I don't think any of us really have PR agents. And so we need to get the same PR agent that says all of you guys work together, dummies. Yeah, that's the thing (laughs) is we're finding more and more. And what we're trying to help, help mitigate is just that exactly that we actually can help each other a lot because everyone is actually has a very similar mentality in terms of work ethic and making the ship move. And we're starting to see some more collaborations between companies, but we're hoping to see more and more. Uh, I mean, um, we haven't even scratched the surface. I mean, yeah. I know I've done some stuff with like Friendship Brewing, After Hours Brewing, they're awesome. out yeah. in Wentzville. You know, I've done a few mm-hmm. things around here and I love the opportunity to do more, but we haven't done nearly enough. I mean, it's we could do one every other week with all the cool places that have opened oh, in St. Yeah. Charles. Yep, just St. Charles alone, yeah. In the Let last alone. five years, the amount of people that have invested in something other than mm-hmm. you know a franchise out here is phenomenal. Yeah, and there's no reason we shouldn't all be each other's best friends, supporting sure. each other. So, exactly. would you say then having your business kind of in the Midwest and this sort of mentality, and maybe even just St. Charles, has that overall hurt you more, or has it helped you in other ways? Like, have you benefited from being here as opposed to being like right in the heart of one of the, you know a more hot button area like the coast? You know. I would say that, you know, even if we just look in St. Louis, St. Charles versus St. Louis, let alone, you know, other coastal cities that I have a perception of, but I've never owned a business or looked into real estate there. Uh, I would say even in St. Louis, you know, the blessing of being in Cottleville was it's an extremely loyal following of people and regulars that we have here. When I came to Cottleville, that was one thing I kind of underestimated was how great uh, the people that lived around here that wanted to see this kind of thing, how much they would come in and be a supporter and tell everyone they know. And, you know, that support probably got us through the first couple of years when we weren't really selling any coffee, you know, quite honestly, like we were doing pour overs out here yeah. and nothing existed besides, you know, Starbucks and, and bread co out this way. There was Picasso's on main street and some other things in other areas, but out this way, it was very, a drive through culture, you know, fast food, fast serve. And so it took us a while to build that up. Uh, I would say the benefit to being here versus even central West end, let alone LA or anywhere else, or, you know, Clayton is we made a ton of mistakes and because people were happy to have something like this in their town, they supported us regardless 
Like we did a lot of good stuff, but we did a decent amount of bad stuff too. And I think had we been in a, you know, a Clayton or an LA or a New York and we'd made the amount of mistakes we made, we would have never survived. So yeah, it would have you know, alive. <laughs> for this being our first location yeah. where we were just figuring out who we were and how we were going to do what we were going to do. I'm not sure there could have been a better place. Coffee's a density based business. You're looking to sell a lot of coffees a day, not 10. So, you know, the one downside to Cottleville is that, you know, everyone's got a quarter of an acre to five acres. You know, it's very spread out, which is high income, which is nice. When I opened, I would have yeah. people come in that were like, I just can't believe this is here. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, why? Because I didn't, I'm not from here. So I only knew Cottleville is kind of booming in a nice we little area. We pretty much only had Main Street. Yeah. Like and, a decade ago. And this person, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had several people be like, do you know what they called this like 15 years ago when I was, you know, lived here with my parents before I moved out? I was like, no, they're like, it was called the armpit of St. Charles. <laughs> what? No <laughs> was way. it really? Yeah. Like it, this Holy was the cow. white trash part of St. Charles, which is saying a lot because there's a lot of those areas, you know, sure. 15 years ago, it's all kind of getting modernized now. But yeah. like Cottleville, according to these people, was, mm -hmm. you know, Kind of like disgusting. Like there wow. wasn't anything going on. I would have never considered it that. I was just boring. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely boring, but now it's like, I mean, you could spend an entire day and night here. Just we hope you do. Like finding <laughs> yeah, right? new little businesses and swing by Upshot, get coffee on your way, maybe stay a while, come back for more coffee. <laughs> there you go. I'm a big fan of that. You Are should you? do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a I've great heard that idea. <laughs> Connery has endorsed this idea. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll take your money. Hey, so I'm, let's go for it. Earlier, did you say you're from Elsa, Illinois? Yeah. As in the village of Elsa? Yeah, I grew up there from the time I was, I think, five until 17. Talk so the majority of my community. life growing up was <laughs> Elsa, Illinois. My parents Dude, worked for Principia College. That place, I am enamored with that place. It's so fascinating. It is. It's like, really it's cool. It's like stuck in time, man. It actually is stuck in time. You can't do anything there. That, <laughs> like literally, the like they will not let you do anything there that does not fit that time period. And no so they kept this incredibly magical yeah. little place. Like when I was living there, I can't say I really appreciate it because it was a small town and all I knew is I had to drive half an hour to Blockbuster or half an hour to Taco Ooh. Bell or you know, my closest friend lived 20 minutes away. Like nothing was simple about living there as a kid. But now when I go back as an adult, as an adult with my kids, I'm like, this is paradise. Like I could just run sweet. out into the woods and do my own thing. And I could ride my bike to Grafton and get a cinnamon roll. And you know, the college campus we grew up on, it had basketball courts and I soccer love, fields and an yeah. Olympic swimming pool. And like we could <laughs> use it all as kids. And like I, you know, at the time I didn't understand how phenomenal that was but now when i go back i'm like oh, i wish my kids had this this is pretty cool it's like, amazing you know they're stuck in a subdivision the, the and they can't even have story. a basketball hoop out because some old person will get pissed that the sound of the basketball is hitting the concrete like you know it's just different yep. um i love the the general store there it's like open it's hours are so restricted yeah but I, we're I open when we feel there. like it and i'm like what they're only open on wednesdays i mean it's like they're open wednesdays from 10 to 10 30 yeah i'm like <laughs> you're like what so i will travel from miles away just to go there and get i their love grafton grafton sodas. is blowing oh, up like love when, grafton. Yeah, when i was in high school we you know grafton was just a place that got flooded all the time it was full <laughs> still of is. still is yeah but it was full of trailers instead yeah. of like big beautiful wineries oh, yeah. and yeah. you know 
nice homes that are $400,000. And so like that we called graft and the river rats because <laughs> All these like it was just always flooded and like, you know, it was nothing kind of like probably what Cottleville was considered 20 mm-hmm. years ago. And now it's this place that is like, you go over there, you enjoy wine, you go to get oysters. Yeah. You, right. You know, it's just beautiful. And that mm. place 15 years ago was just like an armpit. So it's amazing how we changed <laughs> it was the other things. armpit. To the listener, if you haven't even heard of Elsa, it's E L S A H. Yep, just like uh, Frozen. But with an H. I think the one in Frozen, there's no H. Oh, really? I looked this up. She because spelled it wrong. Yeah. We need I only know that because I misspelled Disney. it. <laughs> what a ripoff. What a ripoff. No, yeah, it's, it's halfway Google between it. It Alton and Grafton on the River Road. It's uh-huh. a small town with maybe 200 people. Oh, that's pushing And then, it. yeah, then you go like a mile up onto the bluffs mm-hmm. and Principia College sits there overlooking the Mississippi and it's one of the most beautiful. Oh, it's so, it's breathtaking. It's one of the most yeah. beautiful things you'll ever see. All the dorms were designed by a famous architect. His name was Maybeck. So you go in all these dorms and they're like castles and it's just like maybe <laughs> this huge chapel green with this steeple for the Christian Science Church overlooking the river wow, yeah. and this huge chapel green. And it's just like you walk up there and you're like, holy cow, this is, this is crazy. This, this is, is like and on the middle yeah. of the river road in Elsa. And it really is a, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's right? a village out of time. It's, it's like I don't even know what is the time period they're going for there. 18, like I think it was like literally like nothing's changed since yeah, yeah. All the eighteen hundreds. Like I mean, everything's like hand it says built. it on the sign. Like water mills and yeah, it is <laughs> mossy just, stone. I like driving there every at least once per season. I like to just do the loop, you know, go oh, through yeah. it, see it in each time because it looks equally as beautiful but uniquely different for each season it's amazing so else illinois grafton illinois principia college if you're listening to this feel free to sponsor this podcast and my podcast <laughs> yep we're Call waiting us. oh my phone's ringing right now no look at that <laughs> oh, <what's> happening? <laughs> but no it was really cool it's a beautiful area and anyone that's never been to elsa i would say take a day go hit fast eddies in alton drive down to elsa oh, yeah. walk around explore that end your night in grafton it's an incredible day yeah and then you take the ferry to come home Absolutely. Or yeah. other ways to come in through the ferry and, you know, end it fast. You got it. You got to figure it out. I don't know. There's a lot of ways. Let's go to Elsa, guys. <laughs> let's, yeah. go, let's go right now. <laughs> so I'm going to shift Eagle. gears a little bit. Yeah. Um, what kind of advice would you give to an entrepreneur who is maybe sitting in their corner, sitting on their bed thinking, should I keep doing this because it's hard? Or uh, I would I, say I reach out to anyone that you know that can kind of give you advice, like bond with other people. Don't sit there in your insecurity and, you know, your, your feeling of failure and not talk to other people that are doing it. You know, there's a lot more people out there, you know, getting by than there are really wealthy in small business. And so, you know, you can always reach out to other people and get advice and bond with them and figure out how to help each other. Um, and, and in regards to that, when things are going really well for you, give your time to those guys that need a little bit extra help figuring out how you can help them. So, you know, I've, I've really feel like everyone could really work much better together and be a little bit less selfish with their time and their ability to help you make a couple bucks versus keeping everything for themselves. Beautiful. I love that. It's very community minded, generous mentality. You know, the, the, the rising ship, not rising ship, rising tide raises all boats. You know, it's like, it's <laughs> you awesome. got it almost. I was close. <laughs> well, in reality, if we put everyone else out of business and no one has jobs and they can't buy anything. That's so right. Like, even if we're thinking on a selfish level, being unselfish is kind of selfish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Economics. Like just think it through. Everyone should be able to, you know, make some money. They can spend money. Y'all support each other and everyone likes each other and everyone gets better. Yeah. 
There it is. You live a better life. And I think that it seems like it. Like us as a company, we're kind of starting to sniff it out too. But there is kind of a renaissance in the St. Charles County. There is. Saint, even St. Louis County. Yeah. Like that is happening right now. And hopefully. I believe you guys are leading aware. the charge on that. I hold you fully maybe, responsible. Maybe we are. Absolutely. Maybe we aren't. <laughs> well, thank you for your confidence. We like responsibility, anxiety. Connor. Thank you. <laughs> we're just Don't worry, we'll to, ruin it. We're just trying to do what you just said, you know? Whether we're successful or not, we're at least giving it our best go <laughs> yeah. at trying to invest in the community, connect other people to each other, and then just be a part of that society as well as it grows. You guys are doing the right you guys are doing it the right way in my opinion. You're you're showing up, you're taking care of your neighbors, you're offering to do things for them, you're giving platforms. And all of that, even if it doesn't translate immediately, that kind of relationship building is what will help you guys get ahead of someone else that walks in here and goes, hey, I'll do a video for $500. And I go, okay, I got three friends that'll do a video for free. You know, like, but I, you know, what is it that, what is the barrier that you're knocking down in order to get to know people? And from my experience with you guys, not only did I know Andy really well, and he used to work here. Back back in the day, it's true. He's the best dishwasher, kitchen cleaner I ever saw. Hard I'm work. still trying to get him he back. Has, he <laughs> has a gift. He's the cleanest person I ever met. But uh, yeah, the way that you guys are approaching this and just getting your foot in the door and building community, and I know it's hard because you feel like you're giving things away for free and it's not immediately paying back. But if you're not willing to do that for an extended period of time while you figure it out and build those relationships and build that competitive moat where now people understand your work and you know you become sought after, then you're probably in the wrong business because a lot of times you're really putting things out there, getting rejected, you know, sometimes getting positive feedback, but it can take years to kind of build that. Mm-hmm. So I love what you guys are doing. Appreciate well, that. Thank you very much for that plug. We did not Ask him to do that. <laughs> it was very kind of you. Thank no, you. No, but I'm just saying, like, I, I have so many people that come in here and, you know, they want your, they want to start a new business, but all they can think about is the money firsthand. Uh, and the problem is... We tried that around. We did. There's we like, there. yeah, the, and Didn't as you work. guys learned, you know, a business owner maybe has... 10 photographers that have approached them this month sure. and 10 videographers and you know, 10 guys that want to run your Instagram account. Cause they're all working from coffee shops. So you get yep. bombarded with that all the time. So how do you right. kind of get around that and you build trust and you build a business is you spend time with those business owners. You kind of show them what you can do. You you're there for them. And maybe that turns into something, maybe it doesn't, but you certainly have a better chance than just going, well, I won't shoot this podcast unless you sponsor it for the year yeah. and give me, you know, thirty-two dollars uh, an episode. Yeah. And then business owners can be like, I don't know you. Right. Yeah, like oh, sell <laughs> sell the value. Thanks first. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, it yeah. is the show. I mean, we state. give away free yeah. stuff all the time. Like people don't understand that you know we sell stuff, but we have to give away free stuff yeah. consistently. That's what I, you're not the first person to say that for sure. Like, like you have to I've let heard, people. I've given away a lot of free beer. You, know, you have to let people sample coffee. your product. Yeah. You have to continually tell them what you do. You have to mm-hmm. remind them of what you do. You have to prove to them over and over that what you do is good. And then that might translate into them spending a dollar, mm-hmm. you know, down the road. Right. But if you just try to nickel and dime everyone for everything all the time, it's really hard to, you know, yeah. kind of get the train rolling to where you can yeah. be like- <laughs> much more strict about those yeah. processes. It's definitely true around here. But when you're the new kid on the block, you know, when you're the new kid on the block, if you're not willing to work a little bit harder for a little bit less and the guy that's already established is just going to, you know, you're you're never going to take any of his portfolio. 
No. But when you're a new business <laughs> and you're trying to figure out how do I grow this thing from $500 a month to 2000 a month mm-hmm. to 5000 a month, and you're really just trying to get people to understand who you are and buy in, you have to work a hell of a lot harder than, than the big guy that's already established. And the little guys that can do that come after the big guys and oftentimes upset the big guys or get bought out by them. Yeah. But yeah. either way, that's the only way you're going to get noticed. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, well said. Hard work. I love it. <laughs> well, Connor, this has been awesome. Thanks for shedding some knowledge. We're learning just as much as we are asking. <laughs> Where can people go to figure out more about your business? I know you have a couple. I mean, you have Chocolate, 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 but you also have Upshot. So if you want to come see us at Chocolate, Chocolate, Chocolate and see my beautiful wife, Stacy, we have one at 6217 Mid-Rivers Mall Drive. That's in the Deerberg's 94 Crossing, uh, right between Deerberg's and Target. And then we also mm-hmm. have another one off of Zumbel Road in the Deerberg's Bogey Hills. Uh, if you want to come check us out in Cottleville at Upshot, we're at 5326 Highway N. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, DM us if you have questions. Come in, grab a coffee, say hi, grab a juice. Beats and Bones operates out of here for now, so that's where you can buy all of that. We're starting to wholesale that all over, so awesome. you can find the juice and a bunch of that stuff all over the city now, and we're we're kind of growing that more and more, so... And we're so we're cool. pretty easy to find if you if you try a little bit and you have a little bit of social media you can get a hold of us. Excellent, and just personally, I would recommend it. I'm not as much of a coffee snob now as I used to be, but this place holds up. Thank you, man. <laughs> it's very, very appreciate good. that. Well, you know, we appreciate anyone that comes in here, whether you get you know a flavored latte or you get a single origin light roast pour over. We don't care what you get. We want to get to know you. We want to serve you, and we want you to enjoy it. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time, guys. Thank you so much, man. This has been, been great. Good to see you guys. Thanks for listening to Connected at the Roots, a Big Forest podcast. Our guest today was Connor Van Buskirk. To find out more about Connor and Upshot, go to Upshot.com or follow them on Instagram at WeAreUpshotCoffee. And you might find a pretty cool video there, too, if I do say so myself, (laughs) that somebody did. Wink, wink. Also... If you're in the area, drop in, enjoy some very good coffee, healthy juice, or try their soup. I haven't had the bone broth soup yet, but it's on the list. And decently priced. And most importantly, enjoy their hospitality. It's a true staple of the Midwest. Everyone is super nice in there. Thanks again for listening. Please like us, review us, and follow Connected at the Roots on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen. Chris, thanks for your help. You bet. Until next time, keep being kind and keep working hard. Keep working hard.